welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name's Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. So good to have you here. How are we all? We're good. Happy New Year, all that stuff. 2024. I thought we'd be in flying cars by now, but it's all good. (laughs) We're getting closer anyway, some would say. Um, It's wonderful to have you here today. And uh, we're just thrilled that you are here this morning to hang out. Good times. And uh, I know a lot of people are on holidays and who's, who's embracing the sleep-ins at the moment? Who's had a bit of leave? You're embracing the sleep-ins? My, uh, one of my daughters definitely is embracing the sleep-ins. Um, she will go without um, comment in this service. Hallelujah, let's just say that much. Uh, <clears throat> Um, good times. Well, if you've got your Bibles this morning, uh, where do I want you to go? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 1 uh, to start with. Um, and uh, we're, we're just going to ha- spend some time just kind of reflecting, spend some time taking a moment to kind of really align ourselves for this year and believing that this year is going to be a extremely significant year for our church community. And it's not necessarily... Um, um, like, I don't want us to get... Uh, I don't want us to get enamoured by worldly vision, okay? And what I mean by that is I don't want us to get carried away around, hey, we're going to try and achieve this and we're going to try and do this and we're going to try and do that. Our vision is the person of Jesus. Let me try that again. Our vision is the person of Jesus. Now... That's not because we don't have vision. Vision is vital. God gave you eyes because he knew the healthiest version of who you can be. The most powerful, the most impactful, influential person that you can be is someone that has vision. God wouldn't have given you eyes if that were not the case. So we're not swinging the pendulum so far this way to say that we don't need vision or have some practical things. Of course we do. We'll talk about those things, um, different bits and pieces over the next few weeks. But we must be anchored. Our lives must be aligned, must be centered on the person of Jesus. Because sometimes, if we're honest, the, our sinful nature gets in the way and corrupts vision. And sinful nature is anchored in self-gratification. And so as a result of that, there are times where God vision can get blended, murky, contaminated with self-vision. And at times it's hard to know the difference. And so that's why people get disappointed in church life. They get disappointed with God. They get disappointed with a whole lot of things 
primarily because they've, they've muddied the waters of God vision and their vision. And there's nothing wrong with having vision as you can hear what I'm saying. I'm just saying at the very heart of vision and what who we are called to be is we are called to have Jesus at the very center. Can I hear an amen today? We're called to have Jesus right at the center of everything that we do. And in fact, this kind of time together as we come around the word comes out of a, a question that I felt the Lord just put into my heart a couple uh, uh, between Christmas and New Year's. Um, and it was just this simple question of this, who is Jesus to me? I want you to write that down if you're taking notes. Get your phone out. You've got a note application. You can do it. This will help you. Who is Jesus to me? Let the weight of those words just sink in for a moment. If you're old and nearing the end of your days, this question is super valid to you. Who is Jesus to me? If you're young and your parents dragged you along here and said, this is what we do, and they quoted Joshua in your face, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, and you're just here because of that. This is a super important question to you because if you don't understand the value of this, you don't have a true vision of who Jesus is. That's all it simply is. <laughs> don't worry, I've been in some of your homes. You've been in mine. Who is Jesus to me? Who is Jesus to you? It's a powerful question for us to ponder, for us to think about, for us to meditate on. Because some of us serve a religious Jesus. Some of us don't serve the true Jesus. Some of us, the paradigm of our thinking of who he is has been so tainted by religion that Jesus has become someone that we visit on the weekends. He becomes someone that he's like a benevolent dictator that we come back to and seek for mercy rather than a friend that's closer than a brother. For some of us, Jesus, Jesus is, is we've, in order to understand him academically, intellectually, we've brought Jesus right down into the realms of man. And whilst he was the son of man, he was most certainly the son of God and the son of man. And so whilst there is a Jesus that we can, uh, that, that uh, whilst there is a Jesus that connects with our pain, that understands us in that way, there is also a Jesus that is resurrected from the dead, that sits at the right hand of the Father. And one of the most dangerous things about the academic pursuit of God, I'm all for Knowledge, and I'm all for increasing in my uh, uh, understanding of God, even from an academic perspective. But one of the problems with that can be that we make him so down on an earthly level, we forget that he's the son of the living God. So who is Jesus to you? If the answer to that question, we're straight into it in 2024, let's go. If the answer to that question can we just have a pastoral moment? Is that good if you're visiting? Just block your ears for a minute. But if the answer to that question is 
underwhelming, that brings about an underwhelming response in body, in soul, and in spirit. Can I, as a shepherd in this house, suggest to you that you've lost sight or that you're, somehow your sight has been tainted, it's been skewed, it's been obstructed by something of who this person Jesus is. So as we talk today, I want you to be doing some soul searching on who is Jesus to you. Your year is, uh, your, your, how your year walks out is connected to the answer to that question, who is Jesus to you? And the reason why I say that, I'm not talking about just being in church on a Sunday or being in the gathering on a Sunday. I'm not just talking about uh, pressing into God in prayer and worship and all those sorts of things. I'm talking about the collective of your life is connected, the success of this year in God's eyes, not man's eyes, the success, God's success this year is determined by the answer to that question. And the reason why I say that so boldly is because life has a way of throwing some really interesting curveballs. Life has a way of the boat just being rocked, not just the boat being rocked, but for some of us, the boat sinks. (laughs) For some of us, life is so fragile, life is such a mess. And friend, if, the, if our anchor point is a vision that we think God's gonna do rather than the vision of Jesus himself, we won't have the ability to walk on the water in the middle of the storm. We'll sink. Ephesians chapter one, we'll read. Are you with me so far? You good? Can this, Erwin, or can this go down just a touch, please? So it's this time of year, we're asking who is Jesus to you? Like Sarah was saying before, so often isn't true. We set new, new Year's resolutions. Who set some New Year's resolutions? Raise a hand. Oh, you're all too shy. Come on, raise it up high. Re- new Year's resolutions. You know this is loaded, hey? You know, yeah, we know you, Matt. You're going to just burn us in a minute. Um, I would never do that such thing. Surprise. Um, but the truth is that this time of year, we've, uh, we reflect We've finished one season, we walk into a new one. We start making decisions about life. We start making decisions about what this year is about. And the world have this thing where it's like, and you and I, we're a part of that. We make New Year's resolutions. I'm gonna get fitter. I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna eat carbohydrates for the rest of my life. We make extreme things. Who's like me, like my wife? I don't know how she puts up with me, but I am like 100% or not. So I'm like that guy that's like, all right, I want to lose some weight. I want to get in shape. Awesome. I'm going to eat a piece of dust every day for the rest of my life. Are you with? <laughs> and she's like, just do it gradually. Nah, I'm either in or, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like projects around the house. All right, we're doing that. We're ripping up the entire front yard. Let's go. It's that sort of thing. Anyway, that's maybe that's just me. But we do this time of year. We kind of want to talk we have self-talk about what this year might be. We set some goals. Goals are good. We start planning things. We start thinking, well, when are we going to have holidays and doing all those sorts of things? 
On the, on the external, we start, if you, if you have children, you start thinking about children and what's going on there and how we're going to pace the family and all those sorts of things. And we also have deeper conversations. Hey, I'd really, I really need to change this. I have, uh, I have some, you know, maybe for you, it's like I really need to change the conversation about myself with myself to myself this year. That's my goal. My goal is to change how I feel about myself. Maybe it's physical and so you get a gym membership. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's relational. It doesn't really matter what it is. But we set these things and we call them New Year's resolutions. And every time, um, this, this time of year for me, a couple of years ago, the Lord spoke to me and he said, Matt, I don't want you to be asking for New Year's resolutions. I want you to be asking for a new revelation. I don't want you to be asking for just... Uh, here are the goals. I want you to be asking for a new revelation. That word revelation simply means to unveil. Simply means to unveil. And so before we go to Ephesians, let me, because uh, I want to talk to you this morning about revelation because I believe that the power of your 2024 is predicated upon the revelation that you have in your life. The revelation. You've got to be someone of revelation. So let me give you a few things about this idea of revelation uh, that you can write down, you can take a photo of on the screen if you want. And then we'll uh, talk about Ephesians and then we'll go, go a little bit around the Bible. But the first thing that I want to say about revelation is number one, uh, some things about revelation and why you need revelation is because information and Revelation are not to be confused. Do, do not confuse information and revelation. I should have just said it like that. Do not confuse information and revelation. Make sure you get that. You say, what's the difference? Doesn't God use the information I read from the Bible to bring about revelation? There's, that's partly true. But revelation at a foundational level is spiritual. It's spiritual. And because it is spiritual, at times the mind can be a blocker to what God wants to speak. And so sometimes the mind is our friend, but sometimes that part of our mind that's unrenewed is our foe. That's what Paul described, that there's a war going on inside of us between spirit and flesh, between the spirit man and the sinful man. And so there's this battle going on. And so information and revelation are not to be confused. See, revelation is spiritual. It is spirit to spirit. Now, does God use the faculty of the soul, which is made up of the mind, the will, and the emotions to bring revelation? Absolutely. Does he use the body? Absolutely. Whenever you hear me talk about the body, I want you to be really clear that I'm not trying to, I'm not saying the body is bad. The sinful nature which exists within our body wars against God. But the body that God created for us to inhabit when he created it in Genesis, he created it perfect. 
And so when we become born again, we now go on this process of renewing the body. So whenever I talk about, say, the flesh, please don't think I'm talking about this. I'm talking about a nature that is born inside of you because of sin, okay? That's the part that we war against. The body is a part that God wants to use. That's why you and I should try and look after it the best that we can, okay? So revelation is spirit to spirit. Knowledge of God that truly has power to transform you comes from revelation, not information. And revelation comes by intimacy, not by information. Revelation is a mode of your intimacy with God. And the greater your devotion and commitment to intimacy with Him, the greater your revelation is gonna be. Can we just undo one other religious thing that's got popular in the last 15 years of, of church life? Can we do that? Please do not confuse revelation with um, like what's come out in the last kind of 10 to 15 years of preaching is people saying things in really smart academic ways. And not just smart academic ways, like it's a gift. And I wish to God that I had it. I can barely write notes that go up on the board that are legible, let alone that. But people say things in nice ways that sound good and that's a gift, I praise God for it. But please do not confuse that with actual revelation from God. The most powerful revelations, to be honest with you, generally are the most simple things. And you know they're revelations because they're things that you believe at the core of who you are, okay? And so that's why I want you to understand that revelation is born out of intimacy with Jesus. It's born out of a connection with Jesus by the Holy Spirit. He is the helper. What is He trying to help reveal to us? He's trying to help reveal to us the person, the perfect person of Jesus. And so the first thing about revelation that I want you to know is that don't be confused between information and revelation. Number two, that revelation or truth is hidden for us to find. God, for whatever reason in His wisdom, hid revelation for you to find so that only true seekers, only true, uh, only people that would, you know that scripture that says, if you search for me with all of your heart, you will find me. Because God keeps His mysteries to those that seek Him. This is deep. You need to get this for 24. God, the reason why we have an ignorant church, we have a church that's ignorant to truth and the reality and the power of God and the reason why the Western church is just so religious and devoid of the power and the manifestation of the Spirit is because we have stopped searching for Jesus. We have stopped asking the Holy Spirit to reveal great mysteries to us about who He is. And so revelation is not hidden from us. God is not a cruel, cruel God. But God is a wise God. And God knows that if He just unpacks all of the, all of the wisdom in one go, we would stop seeking. And seeking is a key part of our relationship with Him. And so some truth is hidden until the very end of time. 
Some things won't be revealed until that, till we go to be with the Lord. But there is a realm of truth and revelation that I believe this year the Lord is inviting you into. But those that are gonna have that revelation are those that are seeking. The last thing is that I want you to see is because the way to live and to serve and to prosper and to fulfill destiny and to endure hard times is only possible by revelation. You've heard me say over the last couple of months, one of the most underrated gifts of the Spirit that I believe that we should be all asking the Holy Spirit for is the gift of discernment. The gift of discernment. As a business person, you need the gift of discernment. As a prayer warrior, there's a lot of prayer that happens, but we want our prayers not to just be, uh, we just be measured by quantity. We want them to be effectual prayers. We don't wanna just have prayer meetings as a church. We wanna have prayer that brings change, that brings heaven to earth. So in order to do so, we've gotta pray out of wisdom and discernment. And we can't just pray a lot of prayers. We could, can maybe just pray one prayer, but that one prayer, when it's discerned by the Holy Spirit that we should be praying in this direction, brings about a monumental change. Let's read Ephesians chapter one. You good? This is Paul speaking. This is really important for us to understand. We're talking about revelation because I want you to capture, capture this about revelation, right? Paul is speaking and Paul is showing us two parts to God's work in Ephesians chapter one. He's showing us the part where he created the world and the universe and everything in it. And he's saying how God is the, God, God, God is the creator of all the world. He is the creator. Paul shifts gears and then talks about how Je the work of Jesus. So he establishes these two parts of God's work. The first part done before the foundation of the world and the second part done on the cross through Jesus Christ, right? And then this is what he says. He says in verse number 15 of chapter number one, he says, therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. So where is the knowledge? Where is the revelation? The revelation is in the knowledge of Him. What's God revealing? God is revealing knowledge. There's an unveiling of the knowledge of Him. Remember, revelation, when, when what revelation actually means is to reveal. So you're not, uh, it's not like God is creating something new. No, God is revealing what already was. Can we go a little bit deeper? This is why the Bible talks about Jesus being slain before the foundations of the world. It takes revelation to understand the mystery that before the foundation of the world, Jesus was slain. We're gonna park that one right there. Maybe you can ask the Holy Spirit about that one in your, in your own week. 
but revelation in the knowledge of Him. And this is what else He prays, right? I pray that you'd have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all the thing, over all things to the church, which is, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Paul, can you hear this? This is incredible. Remember, we started with the question, who is Jesus to you? Paul is explaining very clearly with clarity in Ephesians chapter one, who Jesus is to him. He is the one that has overcome every principality and power and dominion and anything that might come against you, Jesus has already overcome those things. This is the Jesus that resurrected from the dead back to life. This is the Jesus. This is Jesus. See, what what is lacking today is not God's work. What is lacking today is the revelation of His work. What is lacking today? We're not, we don't need God to do more work. In fact, theologically speaking, God through the person of Jesus has done everything He needs to do. A few claps. Right? God has done everything. You know, we were singing a song this morning and I had to kind of rebuke myself halfway through, through singing the song and I get the heart and the expression of singing it, but it's actually probably theologically not, not kind of my, some of my beliefs when we're saying, I want more of you, God. We already have all of who he is already. What we should be singing instead is, God, open my eyes to see who you've made me to be. Come on, somebody. What we should be praying is Ephesians chapter one. God, let me see that you are the resurrected Christ. Let me see that because Jesus is inside of me. Look, let's read it just one more time. It says it right there. Come on, iPad, work for me. It says, far He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in the age that Paul wrote the letter, but also in the age that is the come. Jesus is greater. He is greater. And so this is why you must wrestle with this question. This is why as a preacher, I cannot wrestle with this question on your behalf. This is why your 
Christian experience will be tame and boring and hollow and picture more like a whitewashed tomb. Look nice on the outside. You'll have a form of godliness. You'll wear all the church bling and know how to do your hair on Sundays. Know what time to get there. Know what time to leave at the end of the service to get your coffee in the queue the first so you don't have to wait too long. And all those sorts of church life hacks, which are great by the way. But you will live a life devoid of purpose, devoid of power. You demons will be tormenting you and you'll have no authority to know what to do with them. You have things going on in your family with your children, but because you don't have a revelation of who Jesus is, you're going to every self-help thing out there. Do that, that can help. But first, seek the face of God. Seek His face. So we need revelation because we, we need to know and discern who He is so that in turn we can discern who we are. Who we are. We need revelation so that we can know the fullness of the knowledge of Him in order to be like Him. To be like Him. Can we do one more story? Is that good? We've got a little, oh, we got, whoa. It's a new year, new me. Let's go to Numbers. Let's go to the book of Numbers, chapter 13. Sorry if I'm young on a bit this morning. Just trying to preach you into my faith space. Numbers chapter 13, please. We're talking about the knowledge of him. We're talking about revelation of him. Revelation of who he is that then changes us and transforms us into the image of Jesus. In fact, Grace, can you quickly put up 2 Corinthians chapter 3? And we'll just read that. Because this is, this is the principle of vision and revelation. Okay, listen to it. It's right here. But we all, let's read it together. Ready? One, two, three. But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. What's it saying? It's saying we with unveiled face. So Jesus did the ultimate work of revelation through the cross, where he broke the veil that separated God and man. Now we are beholding as in a mirror, what are we beholding? The glory of the Lord, right? So we're beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. So the principle, the spiritual law of vision is that what you look at, you transform into. You could take it another step actually and you could actually say the spiritual law is that what you look at, you reproduce. There's a story in the Bible actually of Jacob where uh, Laban, his father-in-law, tricks him and he says, "You you can have anything and he goes, well, how about I take all the spotted, all the striped, all the rejects of the, the goats and the sheep, the ones that you don't want. There are only a handful of them because they were, 
they were they were the they were kind of the the mongrels, the one no one no one really wanted. It was just the way it was. And so Jacob had this idea. He understood understood the spiritual law of vision that what you look at you reproduce. So he got the handful. He got the I'm not sure the exact number to be honest, but he got he got the smaller amount. And then when it came mating season, Jacob had this revelation from the Lord, understanding that he went and got all this uh, wood and plants and different things and he made it that as they were mating, this is in the Bible, just making sure, you're like, was this Star Trek or the Bible? Um, As they were mating, they were looking at what was speckled, what was spotted, what was stripy. He, he made it. He made it for them to look at because he understand the law of vision, that what you look at, you produce. And so as a result, his speckled, spotted, stripy goats and sheep started going viral, if you know what I'm talking about. Why? Because of the power of vision. Because what you see, see, your destiny, or oh, you're ready for this truth bomb? You might not be able to handle this. It's what's the date? Seventh. Your destiny is less dependent on God than it is you. Crickets. Because God's done everything he needs to do. I'm not saying that to put pressure on us. I'm saying that to empower you to understand that every resource you need for the thing that God's called you to to accomplish is available to you. Sometimes it requires different actions of faith to obtain those promises, but it is available. And that is the crazy life that we're on as followers of Jesus. Where God puts a promise in your spirit, says, I want you to go and possess the promised land, but he doesn't physically just like kind of warp the Israelites into the promised land. We're here. They have to go and possess it. And that's the same with promises. We must possess promises. We walk and as we walk, miracles break out. As we step out, miracles break out. And so I'm wanting you to understand today about revelation. You need a shift in your identity. You need a shift in your identity. You need a shift in the belief of who God is inside of you. That's what you need. Let's look at, look at this, just to back this up. Let's go to Numbers chapter 13, verse 26. Why? Two mates just having fun in church. Come on, parents, get a hold. No, I'm joking. They're speaking mysteries to each other. Revelation. See, because what what I want to shift today is what a New Year's resolution does is New Year's resolution tries to get you to be someone you're not. And all the science that's coming out now says that motivation lasts for about 30 hours. I'm being serious. So you go to a Christian conference, 
that motivation lasts for about 30 hours. That's why the next morning when your alarm goes off at 6 a.m. to wake up to pray, you're snoozing. Come on. The spirit of snoozing is upon you. You know, are are you with me? So what we need is we don't need behavior modification. We need a heart transformation. So we need a change in our identity. We need to understand that the kingdom is within us. We need to understand that when we walk out of obedience and in partnership with the Holy Spirit, that's where miracles break out. Miracles don't break out because we've been praying and fasting and because God's impressed. In fact, fasting doesn't shift anything in heaven. Fasting shifts what's in us on earth. Fasting is starving the flesh so that we can, through our spirit man, see more of who he is. Yeah? So check out this, verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron. If you don't know the story, Moses has sent out 12 spies. Of those spies is Caleb and Joshua. They're like amazing. The Bible describes about Caleb that he has a different spirit. There's something different about him. Joshua, we know, has seen multiple encounters. He's been on the side of the mountain, at the foot of the mountain, while Moses is up the mountain. There's a distinction. There's something different about these two men that are named amongst the 12 spies. And Moses has sent them off to go and spy out, excuse me, a land that God has already promised the Israelites. Because they want to somehow work out, is this the right time? Do we do this? And this is what they come back saying after they go and spy out the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and the whole assembly and they showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land in which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey, exclamation. Here's its fruits. Imagine that. Imagine that. It's like it, it is what you said it is. It is the land flowing with milk and honey. There are grapes. Imagine grapes the size of a human head. That would be cool. I don't know why it came to me, but just making sure you're listening. Imagine watermelons without seeds. Come on, without the GMO and all the rest of it. I know you're like, they, they already exist, Matt. Move on. Um, then it says this, and this, this, is a, this, is a, this is a powerful word in your vocabulary that you need to steward well. And it's that three-letter word, the word but. They gave them this account. They said, well, here, here's the fruits, 28. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. And we even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. They, they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they, they had explored. They said, we 
the, the land we explore devours those living in it. And those and all the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. They're like giants, basically. Listen to this. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. For those of you that don't know the rest of the story, there are only two people present in this story that actually passed over into the promised land. Caleb and Joshua. Not Moses. Caleb and Joshua. Why did they not pass and cross over into the promised land? It wasn't because of immorality that they didn't reach their potential. I'm not in any way siding with immorality. But it wasn't because of immorality that they didn't reach their potential. It was because of inadequacy. It wasn't immorality, it was identity. There'd been lots of silly things that they'd done over their period, but God's a gracious and a good God and he kept forgiving them. It was an identity issue that kept them on the wrong side of the Jordan. That word inadequate simply means lacking the quality or quantity required. They felt like they were insufficient for the purpose. See, inadequacy is a demonic revelation that you don't have enough, that you aren't enough, and that you're not good enough to move forward in the situation that you are in. And the reason why they stayed on this side of the promise is because of inadequacy. After all that God had done, after all that God has done for you and for I, just like the children of Israel, what caused them to stop? The problem relating to their progress was not God. The problem relating to their progress was their identity, was this inadequacy that they carried. They said, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. The problem wasn't with how they saw God, the problem then became how they saw themselves. We, what it, because this is a principle I want you to catch, what it seems like, it becomes like. Did you know that word seems, if you look up that word seems, S-E-E-M-S in the Hebrew, it literally means this, this. are you ready for this? It literally means to come to pass. So when you say it seems like this, you're actually prophetically declaring this will come to pass. And this is what the children of Israel are doing. They're saying we seem like grasshoppers and therefore that shall come to pass. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. That will come to pass. See, why does God need to keep telling you? Why are there so many promises in the Bible about your identity and my identity? Because He knows that you and I are always gonna act 
consistently with who we really are. You might get that when we get home. You might get it now. You might want to write it down. We always act, this is why New Year's resolutions most of the time don't work. This is why we need to change from the inside out. This is why we just need to start full circle, coming right the way back and saying, God, would you give me a greater revelation? Show me who you are. This is why prophecy is so important because prophecy is that word seemed. This is why I hope, I hope and I pray that you're open to the Holy Spirit saying, show me prophetically what my future is. Show me what you have for this year. Show me what you have for my children. Show me what you have for my career. Show me how you wanna use me, God. Show me how you wanna use me. Show me how you wanna change me. Why? Because then any discrepancy between what God prophesies about who you are gonna be and what you have and the person you are today today creates this beautiful, faith tension that you and I get to walk with the Holy Spirit and allow Him to empower us to become the person that was waiting for us in our future. What it seems like, see the reason why I'm saying, God, would you show me my future is not because, uh, and when God does show me, it's not that I know every turn left, right, the other, and this is gonna come and that person, I'm gonna meet that person in the car park, they're gonna see, that's not what I'm talking about. That can happen, but that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is having a knowing of what is in my future for my life. Having a purpose for my life. If you are a Christian, and I'm gonna close with this big statement, but if you are a Christian, and no matter what you're doing, whether you're a student, whether you're in some sort of career, or like accounting, you're a tradesperson, you have a business, doesn't matter who you are. The qualification is not around what you do with your life. You might be retired. It does not really matter. You might have a lot. You might have a little. Does not really matter. But if you are someone that says, I am a follower of Jesus, then you must be someone that commits to discovering the purpose that God has for your life. The world needs you to know who you are by looking at who He is and living in the purpose and also the power that God has made available to you and I. The reason why the world is not coming to the church is because number one, that's not the order of how God said it would work. So the reason why the world is not coming to the church is simply because God didn't say it would work like that. We in the last 50 years of church life have got so enamoured with what happens in this room, we've lost all power out there. We think we're having prayer meetings in the church, but really you're just watching someone up here with a cordless mic pray. You don't really know how to pray yourself. I'm just speaking truth now. Because I know that, because when I put this mic down and say, let's pray, it's a whisper. And so what we need to do is we need to realign with the vision of Jesus, realign with the person of Jesus so that we can be raising our kids in the things of God. I believe in gathering on Sundays. I mean, I'm a church pastor. Let's hope that I believe in it. But you know what I believe in so much more? 
I believe so much more in us living in purpose and destiny than I do us gathering here on a Sunday. I believe in the resurrection power of Jesus. Come on, would you help me preach? I believe it is inside of you. I believe that God wants to go with you wherever you are. And so our prayer for more and more and more of God needs to actually be a prayer of God. I surrender myself that you would reveal to me who you are. Come on, let's stand to our feet. We're going to bow our heads. We're going to pray. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. David, would you jump up, man? Thanks, mate. feel like the Lord's um, inviting people today just to surrender self, surrender them, all of who they are to Him. I'm just sensing, I'm sensing that's a thing. And it's a big thing. It's the biggest thing that gets in our way of a revelation of who He is is just the stuff that we carry. And that comes from a lot of places. Comes from our story of origin. Might've come from 2023 for you. Might've come from a relational breakdown. Where a thing in life latched onto your identity. You know what I'm talking about? And something that you were just meant to, was meant to be something that God uses for His glory really marked your life and you carry the weight of that. And you don't need to carry it anymore. You don't need to carry it. And I feel like what the Lord wants to do is when you surrender, there's going to be an unlocking of prophetic vision and insight, revelation. There's different modes of revelation. One of them is prophecy. That the inspiration of the Holy Spirit's gonna come and f- begin to fill you. And some of you've really been wondering, God, what is my purpose? Or maybe you haven't considered that question in a while. Because can I, can I say this? Like, I feel like my number one ministry in life, so I'm talking this as a family man, is my family, is my wife and my children. Absolutely, 100%. But even in that, there is an eternal purpose that is so far greater than just my little clan. And so family is important, absolutely. It's huge. It's right up there for me. But there's an eternal, there's a purpose that God has. And I sent, I know people can feel it right now. People can feel it. And what you're sensing right now is the tension of God pulling you out of where you are. Not necessarily because it's bad, but that tension you're feeling is the greatness inside of you. It's greatness. God's wanting you to step into. But often it starts with us just surrendering, laying it down. So we're going to open up this front area for you to respond if you want to do that.
If you wanna say, God, here I am. You say, God, show me my purpose. If you say, God, you know what? There's been obstructions in my view, my revelation of who you are. I wanna lay them down to you today. Well, God, renew the passion. Renew the joy. Renew that first love feeling pertaining to what you have for my life. Come on, just wander out of your seat. Just come and stand here. We want to pray for you. going to wait a few more minutes. I think there's a few more people that need to be out here. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to know you. Spirit of wisdom and revelation, feel me now. Open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes Open the eyes of me. Give me wisdom and understanding. I want to know you. I want to see your face. Open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes. Open the eyes. Open my eyes. Spirit of wisdom and revelation. Spirit of wisdom and revelation. Father, show me who I am. Show me who I am, Father, in the person of Jesus, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Lord, let me see the face of Jesus in the reflection of the mirror that I see. Let me be changed into that, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Lord. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Worship you, Lord. You know, we're just going to spend some time praying here this morning. Coffee's going to be served. You can be dismissed if you want to go, pick up your kids and do all those sorts of things. But we're just going to spend some time just praying and uh, just worshipping. If you want to hang around, you can do so. Um, But God bless you. We're going to be back here next week. All the giving is in the foyer if you want to avail yourself of that. Um, Also register for summer camp. Come on, let's just spend some time. If you've got a few more minutes, just pressing into the Lord, just maybe five minutes. And uh, let's just minister to Him.
Thank You, Lord Jesus. We bless Your wonderful Name. We bless Your wonderful Name. Father, let the spirit of prophecy just be released in this room right now. Father, wisdom and revelation to be released in the Name of Jesus. We declare it right now. Let Your power and Your glory begin to fall, Father. We're inviting You, Holy Spirit. We're making ourselves available to You today. Wonderful Jesus. Wonderful Jesus, wonderful Jesus, wonderful Jesus. Oh, we bless Your Name, Lord, we bless You. We bless You, we bless You, we bless You, we bless You, we bless You. We bless the wonderful Name of Jesus above all principalities and powers, all dominion, every name. We lift up the mighty Name of Jesus. Father, right now, in the Name of Jesus, 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 healing bodies right now in the name of Jesus, healing bodies, touching minds in the name of Jesus. Oh, we give You praise, Lord. We give You praise, Father. Lord, we thank You, God. We just believe that You are above, Father. You're above it all right now. And we give You praise and we give You glory, Father, for the wonderful work that You're doing. We, we worship You, Jesus. We worship You, Jesus. We bless the Name of the Lord. A strong tower. Oh, the mighty run into it and they are saved. We thank You, Lord, that that's who You are, our tower of refuge. And so we bless Your wonderful Name, Jesus. We bless You, Jesus. We bless You, Lord. Be exalted, Father. Oh, wonderful Lord, we thank You, Jesus. Come, some of our staff and team just want to come and begin to pray. You can do so. Wonderful, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.